Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. As the great Warren Buffett says, rule number one, don't lose money. And rule number two, don't forget rule number one. And this sage advice rings true in real estate. It rings true so much. And we kind of all inherently know this, right? And by the way, welcome everybody to the latest live stream. Every Tuesday at 11, we host a live stream to help you guys out. Uh, we get feedback from all of you on kind of what you need help with. And I've heard a lot of feedback recently that you guys need help with how to properly analyze deals. As Warren Buffett says, like we don't want to lose money. I mean, that, that goes without saying. In fact, losing money is probably the number one reason why people don't invest in real estate. It's scary, right? To invest in a deal, whether it's a fix and flip, a buy and hold, a passive income opportunity, a small multifamily deal, and potentially to have a loss, right? So they say that that there's two motivators, right? There's there's the fear is, is one motivator and greed is another motivator. But they say that when you analyze the two, Fear typically overtakes. What are we afraid of? Well, we're afraid of losing. And again, it's a real thing when it comes to real estate investing. And I'm going to talk today about, I guess, why some of the formulas that are put out there on these websites, on bigger pockets, and all these other places, uh, the tried and true, like 70% of ARV minus repair or 100 times ranks or specific profit and loss calculators can sometimes hurt us. And I'm going to talk about specific examples in my real estate investing business where using these formulas actually caused me to lose money. Because sometimes using these formulas gives you kind of like a false sense of safety when you think that just because a a deal fixed 70% of ARV minus repairs, or just because my rental property says that the cash flows on paper, well, therefore it must. And again, I'm going to talk today about why that's not the case. But before I do so, I've gotten so many requests and and feedback from people and even messages from Inner Circle members about analyzing deals that I want to make sure that we do an event on specifically analyzing deals. And that's why in just a few weeks in June, Tuesday, June 27th at 11 a.m., at the Sheridan Hotel in Framingham, we're gonna be having our latest event. And on this feed, right, like on the description of what I'm gonna be talking about today, at the bottom is a link to the JOT form to register. Now this event is gonna be three hours. We're gonna be talking about how to analyze fix and flip deals. We're gonna talk about how to analyze small multifamily. And we're gonna talk about how to invest apartments and investing in syndications, okay? So three hours. We're going to be giving you a free lunch. It's going to be a cool event. Done a lot of events at the Framingham Sheridan. It's a really good location and setup. And I just want to say before I continue on with today's topic that seating is limited. 
Um, this is going to be a little bit of a smaller event. We're purposely trying to make it a little bit more intimate. So seating is limited to the first 50 people who register. If you are interested in registering, please do it now because I think we're already halfway there. I think I announced it yesterday. So we're close to halfway filled, basically like after me just clicking one button. So if you're the least bit interested in uh, signing up for this event, go to that jot form at the bottom of this message. So again, I wanna talk about these three areas and I wanna talk about the common formulas and I wanna talk about like why the formulas or a spreadsheet can be a problem. I wanna teach you guys today, like kind of what you can do about it and what to kind of look out for. So again, I'm gonna be talking about flipping. I'm gonna be talking about buying and holding. And I'm gonna be talking about apartments and investing in syndications and what the things you should be looking out for related to these formulas, related to these spreadsheets, okay? So before I even go into that though, I just wanna say I'm a CPA by trade. I'm an accountant. We need spreadsheets. We need to analyze deals. We need formulas. These are not bad things, but they only tell us about half of the story, right? And so I want to talk about the other half of the story today. And I'm going to start again with fix and flips. So analyzing fix and flips is probably the most important out of all the asset you know, types of investing you can do. Because when you're fixing and flipping a home, you have to buy it and sell it in a quick time period meaning that time isn't really your friend as, as, as compared to say that you buy a multifamily to buy and hold. And let's just say that you analyze a property to buy and hold and you make a mistake and maybe the cash flow is a little bit lower than you anticipated. Time will actually heal that wound because rents over time will go up. Your mortgage is going to get paid down. The asset's going to go up in value. But when you talk about fixing and flipping, and I'm talking the first five minutes today about fixing and flipping, time doesn't heal those wounds, unfortunately. So it's really important to make sure that when you do a fix and flip, that you've analyzed the property right up front. So I want to talk about some, some areas where we've made mistakes, some stuff for you guys to look out for. And more than anything else, this is kind of like a little bit of a preview of a lot more information that we're going to be giving you guys at the event. So the first thing I want to talk about is the formula that most people use to buy fix and flip properties. The formula that most people use is the 70% of ARV minus repairs formula. When you take 70% times what we believe the after repair value is or the value of the property when it's done being renovated, and then you subtract out the repairs, that formula gets us to what we call our max allowable offer or essentially the most that we can pay for a property and have it actually be worthwhile. So if I, if I run the numbers kind of really quick, just to kind of talk this out loud, don't worry about writing any of this stuff down. But if we believe that a property is going to be worth $500,000 when the property is done, and then we multiply that by 70%, that gets us to $350,000. Let's just assume for the sake of this being a really easy calculation that we have $50,000 worth of repairs. We take the $500,000 after repair value times 70% to get to $350,000 minus the $50,000 repairs. That means that the max allowable offer MAO is $300,000, which means that in theory, if all of these formulas work correctly, that if we paid $300,000 for this property, we'd be really happy and we'd be profitable. 
okay, well, sometimes that's the case. But let me let me just kind of go into detail that other half. We talked about the fact that we need formulas, but what are some other realities of this? What are some of the harsh realities of this? Okay. Well, the first thing is, what if you screw up the ARV? Getting that true, accurate ARV is one of the biggest mistakes that I see newer investors making. And what do I see most commonly? Most commonly, I see investors make mistakes saying that the after repair value is more than it really is. And it's really easy to screw this up. It's why we you know, have a full-time analyst within our company. It's why everybody who's in the inner circle has the ability to send us their address, the address of the property they're analyzing, and we will come up with the ARV comps for them. By the way, if you haven't done so already and you're interested in learning more about the inner circle, make sure that you schedule a call with me at www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com. Okay, so how can you screw up ARV? ARV can be screwed up in a number of ways. One, just a couple of mistakes that I've made in the past, how ARV can be easily screwed up. One is that you screw up the style of house, okay? So a 1,400-square-foot house isn't just a 1,400-square-foot house. There are different styles to homes, right? There's a difference between a 1,400-square-foot ranch and a 1,400-square-foot raised ranch, okay? They can be both be 1,400 square feet. One is on two levels. The regular ranch is on one level. Which one's more valuable? Clearly the one with two levels. But we can make this mistake. It's easy to make. It's easy to say 1,400 versus 1,400. Another easy way to screw up ARV is to take a radius because obviously when we're running comps, we're always running a radius and saying, geez, this property is within a quarter mile of my subject property. Therefore, it must be a good comp. Not taking into account that, that your property might be on a main road or on a highway or your property might be behind another property. We have a lot of those in Massachusetts that call rear houses where there's a property behind a property. Well, if you just run a simple radius, that rear property, that property behind a property, it would say that that's worth the same, right? But that can be a big mistake, okay? Um, other areas where we can make mistakes is just the layout of a house. So again, I'm, sp I'm speaking specifically, I'm in New England. I know that, you know, probably half the listeners are not in New England, but a lot of New England houses were built 100, 200. Believe it or not, if you're not from New England, some houses in New England were built 300 years ago. What's the problem there? Well, again, a 1,400 square foot house might not be a 1,400 square foot house. You may walk into a home. I've walked into plenty of homes, especially when I was, you know, a rookie. And I'd walk in and I'm only five foot 10 and I could touch the ceiling and go, oh, well, it's a low ceiling. No big deal. Well, yes, it is a big deal because of the fact that the next person who's going to buy it isn't going to want that house quite as much where the ceilings, you know, maybe I have to jump to touch them. Or maybe even if I jump, I can't touch them. The other issue, it could be other things like, is the house on septic? It can be other things like, is there a garage or not? It can be other things like, how big is the yard? And I know this stuff, for those of you who are agents, sounds really simple. But I can tell you that almost every week, somebody sends me a, a property to analyze that they're thinking about fixing and flipping. And within a 15-minute you know, conversation, I'm like, no, this house is worth $550 done. And they were thinking that they're going to make a $50,000 profit if the house sells for 600 
So instead of making a $50,000 profit, they would have went through the entire process of renovating and trying to sell a house for a zero profit. And again, as we know with the Warren Buffett quote, the main objective is to not lose money, right? I see people every single day buying houses to fix and flip where the outcome, the most likely outcome is that they're going to lose money. Now, I can't say that 100% factually because you just don't know. You don't always know 100% how the market is going to respond to a house when it goes on to the market. But I can say that people send me deals each and every week, people in the inner circle, wholesalers that I look at, and I say, nah, I wouldn't do this deal for XYZ reason. Well, doesn't it fit the 70% of ARV minus repair? Yeah, maybe on paper it does. But again, we're talking about the other side of this, okay? Some other things to just kind of add in. I don't want to spend all of the time focused on fixing and flipping. And again, guys, keep in mind, this is a little bit of a preview for this event that we're having in Framingham. Today, I'm going to be on for maybe 40 minutes. This is not a 40-minute conversation. Making sure that you don't lose money investing in real estate is not something that you should be spending a half an hour or 40 minutes on. Like those three hours is what you need, okay? So I want to talk about other things. 70% of ARV minus repairs doesn't factor in. Well, it doesn't factor in the total profit. And I've made this mistake. Again, in New England, close to greater Boston, we've got really high values. So close to Boston, in a lot of cases, and, and this is going to you know make some people you know, a little bit nervous or they're going to say, hey, I read on bigger pockets, you can never do this. But in some areas really close to Boston, if you want to fix and flip a house, you have to go over 70% of ARV minus repairs. Now, I'm not telling you to take unnecessary risk, but when we analyze a property, we analyze it two ways. We do use the 70% of ARV minus repair formula, but if we also take into account what the potential profit is going to be, what you will see on the high end is that if your ARV of the property is a million dollars, you're never going to buy a house for 70% of ARV minus repairs. Let's just do the math really quick on that. Let's just say that the ARV is a million. You take 70%, you get down to 700,000. Let's say that the, the repairs are 100 grand. You get down to $600,000. So that means that most likely that house that you're going into the person is looking up their Zestimate. Their Zestimate says their house is worth a million bucks. And you're going in saying, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Seller, looking them dead in the eye. And you're saying, hey, the most I can pay you because of my formula is $600,000. Now, just for, for fun, let me plug this in really quick to my profit calculator. By the way, this profit calculator that I'm going to be using right now, I'm going to be giving away to all of the people that actually attend the event. So this profit calculator, and I'll actually put this up on the screen. And again, if you guys attend the event in a few Tuesdays. So let's say that example where we go purchase price of 600,000, renovation of 100,000, projected sales price of a million. And then we go and we say, what's the P&L? You guys can see if the holding time on this is six months, we've got a $200,000 profit. By the way, behind all of this, we have all of the uh, the numbers and the stacks and all that good stuff of how we come up with that profit calculator. But most of the time in the greater Boston market, when we go into a property, right, 
and we go to fix and flip a property, we're looking to make maybe like 50, 60, $70,000. So in this example where we go 70% of ARV minus repairs, the problem we're going to run into is we're going to make that $600,000 offer for a $200,000 profit. And then somebody else is going to go in and they're going to go, oh man, I can't believe that that person made you a $600,000 offer. I can offer you $750,000. I can offer you $700,000. I can't believe they just tried to make $215,000 on your house. Okay. But let me go the other way just to kind of give you guys another example, right? Let's just say, let's say that the ARV is $150,000. Okay. Projected sales price is $150,000. Oh, no, let's make it even easier. Say it's $100,000. Okay, I know that there aren't too many ARBs of $100,000, but I want to show you guys this anyways. So you go, let's say it's a $30,000 renovation. You take $100,000 times 70% to get to $70,000 minus the 30 in repairs. That's a $40,000 purchase price and a $30,000 renovation. So again, on bigger pockets, and I, I don't mean to knock them, because bigger pockets is a great resource for people. It's all free, so you can't really complain about that. And then let's look. Let's let's just see what a hundred thousand dollar ARV, thirty thousand dollar renovation, and a forty thousand dollar purchase price, which is exactly what this calculator would tell you you should offer, ends up being. It's an eighteen hundred dollar profit. Crazy, right? Crazy. Like the formula says. You would make money. Let's even bump this up a little bit more because I feel bad putting in a, a loss. Let's go with a $200,000 ARV and a 30K renovation. No, a 40K renovation because that would get us to $100,000 purchase price. Gets us to a whopping $24,000 profit. But do you really want to risk your capital, spend six months of your life renovating a deal to basically make a little bit more than what you would make on a commission? I mean, that's not why we're investing in real estate. So getting back to my original point, like if you just use a spreadsheet or you just use one marker and you don't really think about anything else, you can make a big mistake. You could have bought that $100,000 ARV deal and you could have potentially lost money on it or you could have broke even or you could have made $5,000. You could have made almost nothing because again, you're using a formula, you're being rigid. Now, how do I know all this stuff? I know it because I've made these mistakes. I've made these mistakes myself, okay? Now let's move on because I could go into much more detail again on single family fix and flip. There's a million other things. There's a million other like deal killers. There's houses that we won't even do, right? No matter what our formula tells us, there are houses in this market today like I won't touch. I won't touch. I'll give you guys just one more quick example uh, before kind of like, moving on because I don't want to spend all day today talking about fix and flips, but I'm not going to buy a historic home. There's a lot of historic homes like in this market that I operate in. You might want to put in new windows and they tell you, nope, this is a historic district. You can't do anything about that, right? So what might have taken you three months to do might take you a year to do. And I could go on and on and on. But like I said, you guys will learn all of this stuff by coming to that event. So again, if you haven't done so yet, register for the event. Um, multifamilies. Let's talk about multifamilies and why these formulas aren't exactly the formula, right? Why you can't just go on the formula. All right. So what are the kinds of formulas that we use to analyze whether or not we should buy a multifamily? 
there are a lot, right? There are a lot of different ways that we could use spreadsheets, but I want to give kind of like two of the most common ways that people will analyze these properties. The first is what we call the 100 times rent rule, which tells us that we can afford to pay 100 times what the monthly rents are of the property, meaning that if we buy a three-unit property and each unit rents out for $2,000 each, you would add 2,000 plus 2,000 plus 2,000 to get the 6,000, multiply that by 100, and you would say, hey, look, if I can pay $600,000 or less, this is a good property for me to buy, okay? That's one formula. Another formula that you could use is just like putting in like a simple PNL. I see people use these all the time for small multifamilies and you putting a PNL and you say, hey, these are my ranks, these are my expenses. This is, I'm gonna put a 10% vacancy in, I'm gonna put a 5% property management fee in and you can get these spreadsheets really anywhere, okay? And again, like I said, kind of in the onset of this, I am not knocking having spreadsheets. You need them. That's like step one. Step number two is to do the due diligence kind of behind that, which is, again, comes with experience and is partly what people don't typically talk about. So let's talk about like why using 100 times rents or why using one of these like profit and loss calculators can sometimes burn you when you're not going the extra step, when you don't have the experience. And you get the experience again by coming to this event that we're having on Tuesday, June 27th, free event, free food, register today. So let's talk about what the issues are. Well, number one, what ranks are we using? Okay, common mistake. Are we using the ranks that people are telling us? Are we using market rents? Okay, that's huge. Now, another huge mistake when it comes to like garbage in, garbage out, we could go in and we could say, hey, I'm buying this three family in greater Boston. The tenants are paying $2,000 a month. And I put that in air quotations. They're paying $2,000 a month. But then when you actually go and you take over the property, you go to collect first month's rent and nobody's paying. You have three tenants who aren't paying you. Okay. Or then you go in and you say, okay, I'm going to put in my, my formula that it says that I should budget $10,000 a year for repairs, okay? That may be a formula that you've heard on one of these websites or you've heard on somebody's podcast. And then you actually start owning the property. And one of the tenants calls calls, calls um, the city and they say, this isn't working, that isn't working, and it's a health code violation. And all of a sudden, that $10,000 a year that seemed really nice to put on paper becomes a $60,000 expense in year one. So are you actually going in and are you analyzing what the deferred maintenance is up front, right? Another area going the opposite way, going in a positive way, is are you looking to see what value add that you can have to maybe bump ranks up? Maybe the ranks on paper look super low. But you can actually bump them up by by adding a bedroom or adding a bathroom or renovating the unit or replacing the tenants, right? But having said all of this, probably the biggest mistake that I see people make with formulas and spreadsheets and buying small multifamily in general is they don't take into account when they will be able to refi the property next. Now, I know and you know 
that if you're trying to buy multifamily real estate, you're thinking in your head, I want cash flow. You want monthly cash flow that's going to grow over time to be able to pay your expenses so that you can either work less or make more or spend more or just have a better life. But a lot of times what we don't factor in is how good of a deal do we get on day one or how much value can we add and how quickly can that value be increased so that we can do a cash out refi later to buy our next property. And I talk about the strategy all the time, the burst strategy that everybody talks about, which is how almost everybody who buys multifamily real estate gets rich. You buy a property, you renovate it a little bit, you rent it out, you refi, you pull money out, and you use that refi money to buy your next property. And you just go on and on and on and on. And a lot of times people are focused so much on cash flow when they buy these properties that they don't take into account what equity they have or the equity that they could have in the future if they buy right or they add the right value to be able to refi later. In fact, to me, if I'm picking door number one, highest cash flow, but I can't refi for a long time, or a little bit lower cash flow or even low cash flow, but I can continue to pull equity by another, pull equity by another, I'm going to pick that door. I'm going to pick the lower cash flow, um, pull equity, buy more, pull equity, buy more. Because after you run that out 10 years later, 15 years later, maybe the person who had higher cash flow, but they couldn't pull equity, maybe they have two rental units. And the person who had a, a ton of equity, low cash flow, now they've got 30 units. Okay. So that's a huge thing that's not in the model of, of multifamilies. Okay. So by the way, for anybody who's in the inner circle, any property that you come across, you can send to me 24-7, 365, and we will analyze for you for free. It's part of being in the inner circle. If you aren't in the inner circle yet, and you want the ability to send me a deal directly, 24-7, 365, I don't care whether it's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I don't care if it's Father's Day, I don't care if it's 4th of July, you can send me a deal. And I'll take a look at it, and I will give you my analysis on it. So all of the stuff that I'm talking about today, we're going to teach you how to do it in framing him. okay? That's free. But if you want a second opinion, if you want me to actually look at it, one thing to consider is jumping on an inner circle call and learning about how you can get a second set of eyes on this. Because it's one thing to learn it. It's another thing to learn it, implement it, and then get a second opinion on it. There isn't any property that we buy that we don't ask five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people whether or not it's a good deal. Why do we do this? Well, like Warren Buffett says, rule number one, don't lose money. Rule number two, don't forget rule number one. We've learned the hard way that, that those are the two most important rules of investing. So before we buy a property, we want to measure twice and cut once. We don't want to just keep cutting, right, and kind of closing our eyes. So again, to do that, to jump on a call, you can go to www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com, okay? Now, there's a lot of other things to consider, and I don't have time for this today, but when it comes to flipping, like, are we talking about flipping a condo? Are we talking about flipping, doing a condo conversion? Are we talking about doing a townhouse? Are we talking about flipping a multifamily? Because all of these should be analyzing a little bit of a different way. And it's really important. 
say you're buying a two-family in a city like Everett, you can't use a single-family formula to analyze a two-family flip. We're going to talk about that type of stuff at the event. Same thing with a condo conversion. You can't look at the profit on a condo conversion the same way as a single family. There's also a lot different risk profile for those two types of assets, okay? And so we talked about flipping. We talked about small multifamily. I want to talk a little bit about apartments, how people analyze apartments, and even just a passive income component to it. So I want to start first with just analyzing apartments. And I, I, I don't like to admit this. But you guys know I'm going to tell you the truth with everything that I do. We're an open book. We have two properties this year, two apartment buildings that we put under agreement with big deposits. I'm talking in total over six figures of deposits that we ended up backing out of. Okay. I'm going to give you guys just a couple of quick examples of why analyzing these are so important and how we made the mistake which the bigger mistake would have been to buy them, but how we made the mistake. And again, mistakes you want to avoid. So the first one was right in Boston, an area that if you're from Boston, you would know a ton about high, high rental demand, you know, really, really good area. We were excited to do this project. We put it under contract. We started kind of moving forward with it. And all of a sudden we look back and we go, wow, you know what? This is going to be new construction. We've done new construction in this area. It's been really challenging. What took us, what should have taken us nine months to do a condo conversion has a couple of times taken us a year and a half because of this specific town. We thought about it. We analyzed it. And in the end, we backed out and lost close to six figures by backing out. And again, the bigger mistake would have been to push forward and to do that deal but we weren't considering the zoning, even though we should have, even though we should have. Another one that we did was in another town north of Boston that, again, if you're from Boston, you would know, area we really wanted to own in. And we ran those numbers. They looked pretty good on paper, maybe a little bit tight. And in the end, we analyzed and reanalyzed and looked at our rental comps a few times and we just couldn't get comfortable with them to the point where we couldn't tell confidently whether we were going to be positive a couple hundred thousand dollars a year with this rental, this apartment building, or negative a couple hundred thousand dollars a month. Simple things, guys, that I'll, I'll be talking about at the event. And I know most of you are not at the level yet where you're analyzing apartments, but I just want to put it out there that these mistakes can be made on any type of property. And then the last one I want to talk about, and again, we're going to go into more detail at the event, is passive income investing. What is passive income investing? Passive income investing is when you simply say, hey, I've got an IRA or I've got money in the bank. And Tom, all of this stuff sounds really cool. Like I love to own an apartment building. I love to fix and flip. I love to own a small multifamily. But you know what? I think for now, I would rather just take my money and invest it. So the issue, the issue here where a lot of times people make mistakes is they look at what is being quoted as kind of the potential upside and not what the guarantees are, okay? And this has actually made us change our whole capital raising model to favor the guarantees over kind of like what the projections are. So most people, when they're syndicating a property, 
when they're pitching a deal, they're going to come up with whatever. And I'm not saying that, that this is being dishonest, but they're going to kind of come up with whatever the highest projections for the percentage that their passive income investors could get. And they're going to put that out there. And in the same token, on a monthly basis, the passive investors are typically going to get whatever is collected from rents minus whatever the expenses of the building are. So not to get too complicated with this, and we're going to talk more about this at the event, but in a lot of cases, you'll see something like a 6% preferred dividend with a 20% projected rate of return. What that preferred dividend means is that as long as we collect the ranks that we think we're going to, and as long as the expenses are in line with what we're going to do, we're going to pay you out to 6%. But if for some reason we don't collect as much in ranks or the expenses are a little bit higher, at least for the time being, you're not going to get that 6%, which is, again, why we've changed our passive income model to say, hey, forget about what we're going to collect or what the expenses are. We're going to guarantee a monthly rate of return that's going to be really good that you don't have to look for. And instead of like having a lot into the upside, we're going to say, let us give you more upfront and then have a you know some upside, but not a crazy projected upside. And again, we're going to talk a little bit more about passive income investing, analyzing apartment deals um, at the event coming up in Framingham. So, you know, to kind of like wrap on this stuff, analyzing properties is as much of an art as it is a science. And a lot of this stuff truthfully comes with experience. It comes from making mistakes. It comes from using these formulas and then honestly kind of figuring out like what's wrong with them. Like what are the scenarios where this formula didn't really help me, but it might've hurted me. And again, I, I can't state this enough. You have to use formulas, right? You have to, you can't just say, Hey, you know, this is completely an art. My gut tells me that I'm going to make a bunch of money on this fix and flip or that if I buy this rental, I'm going to do well. No, it doesn't mean that at all. It just means that usually the formulas that are put out there on the internet, talked about in webinars, kind of like the ones that most people know about, they're more of what I would call a starting point than an ending point. And what I see some of the biggest mistakes that people make where I see people lose money, where I see people buy small multifamilies and then have to sell them six months later because what they projected on paper isn't reality. I see people making these mistakes because of the fact that instead of taking this as a starting point, they're taking it as an ending point. And that's, again, like just the reason why the inner circle is so powerful, it's so important, is because when you are thinking about buying a property, myself personally, I will analyze that deal for you. Now, I, I can't say I'm always going to be 100% right, right? We're going to do the best that we can to tell you whether or not we like a fix and flip deal, whether or not we like a small multifamily deal, whether or not we like a passive income investing deal, whether or not we like an apartment deal. But it's another area where you not only can get some feedback on these deals, but in addition, you can learn how we're analyzing them. Because every deal that we analyze, we're going to send you a report on how we came that, to what we came to, right? We're not going to just say, hey, that fix and flip opportunity that you sent me, I don't like it. No, we're actually going to send you the 30-page report that we come up with 
when we actually analyze a property. And while we're here, and I'm doing pretty good on time, I'm actually just going to open that just to show you all. And again, this is the type of stuff that you get when you're in the inner circle. Let me just open this up really quickly. Let's just go to like any kind of like random property, random appointment that we might go on, right? This is the report that we give to people, right? We do a street scene, Google map, prior MLS history, Zillow, retail comps, ARV comps, five-year street scene of what's sold on that house. And then, of course, like first page, first page, you're going to say, okay, what is the flip offer? What's the repair estimate? And you guys are going to get that for every single property that you send over to us and a discussion about like what we think, how we would analyze that deal. Would I buy that deal? And for people that are in the inner circle, you know that not only do you get that report, but I back up what I tell you. Like if I tell you I'm interested, I, I like that deal, I'm, that means I'm willing to partner with you on that deal, right? I'm willing to literally put up my own money and do the construction and split the profits with you, right? So with that being said, again, last two kind of notes. If you haven't scheduled a call to learn about the inner circle, you can do that. It's completely free at www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com. If you do book an inner circle call, 90% of the conversation is going to be about where you're at today, where you want to go, and we're going to come up with a strategy to get you from point A to point B. People who have jumped on inner circle calls with me know you're going to come on. I'm going to help you. I'm going to pretend like you're already in the inner circle. And then if you decide that you're interested in the inner circle, we can obviously talk about like what that would look like. But it's, an, it's a way for you to get a free strategy session, free help. And then again, if you think I can help you more by you know being around us more, then we can talk about being in the inner circle. And last thing, again, on this feed, if you haven't done so already, make sure that you register for our upcoming free three-hour event that we're having on Tuesday the 27th in Framingham on how to analyze deals, minimize mistakes, make money, and don't lose money. All right, guys, thank you. We'll be back next week. I'll talk to you later. Thanks again for listening to the Agent Investor Podcast. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show and leave a review, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get free weekly education, strategies, and to connect with other agent investors across the country, join our free Facebook group at agentinvestor.com. Again, that's agentinvestor.com.